You're listening to C-Jam 99.1 FM, redefining radio in Windsor and Detroit. Hey C-Jam listeners, looking for more ways to connect with C-Jam programming? Try streaming C-Jam through iHeartRadio. Listen online, download the iHeartRadio app, or use your smart speaker. Okay, Google, play C-Jam on iHeartRadio. No matter where you are, experience C-Jam FM on higher ground. There are times when I feel angry or frustrated and I don't think it's like bad. You know, sometimes maybe angry at how uninspired Christian art is. And so suddenly I want to make Christian art that's really intense and noisy and and kind of like ferocious because I I think my my guitar feedback and my fuzz pedal can be just as like god honoring as like the picture perfect sheen of like a Hillsong worship album and sometimes i think it might even be more in line with who god is because i think god's super weird and creative and like kind of sometimes scary and all these things and so i just i don't want to be an an antagonist anymore and i don't necessarily want to be antagonistic in a bad selfish way but i do on occasion want to be able to disrupt people but hopefully in a like helpful way What does it mean to work to create something or produce music that is honest and thoughtful, but is also genuine to the means of expression? To create in an honoring way that is not a manipulation of the form or its listeners. Finding a way to navigate the intersection between faith and art is something that is very important to a lot of people, yet sometimes it can be difficult to find the language to do so. Yet and still, there exist certain bands and artists that challenge the notion of what we're used to and have worked to create a space between the two where they and others like them may exist. One of those such artists is John Van Dusen. You're listening to Absent Sounds, a show on CJAM 99.1 FM where we pick two of our favorite albums and as we play through them, give you any interesting tidbits and stories along the way. And what better way to hear those stories than to talk to the artists themselves? My name is Weedy Mambo. And I'm Weezu. And this week's episode is a conversation Weezu and I had with John Van Dusen. John is a singer-songwriter hailing from Anacortes, Washington, and if you've been in any form of contact with us over the last few years, you'll know he's quickly become one of our favorite artists. His music is intense and calming, urgent yet unrushed, comforting yet uncomfortable. But in all things, I think the word that constantly feels right to describe John as well as his interview is nuance. This show is one we've been working on for quite some time, and is one that we're really excited for you to hear. So, here you go. 
Here's our interview with John Van Dusen. We spoke to him while we were in three different time zones, so if it sounds like we usually speaking far away on a Zoom call. But in any case, we're really thankful that John took the time to speak with us, and we're really thankful that you could join us today to listen. We start our conversation off in true Absence Sounds fashion with question of the day. For today's question of the day, you have two options. Pick a number between one and two. 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 What are the little things that have been bringing you joy recently? I get a lot of joy out of waking up early and drinking coffee and reading and praying. I also really love spending time with my son and my wife, and we've been going to the beach. We live on an island and we live pretty close to the beach. So we've been going and spending time together at the beach and that's been bringing me a lot of joy. Oh wow, that's really nice. Even when it uh, gets cold out, do you think you'll still want to keep going out to the beach? Probably. Um, you know, in the Northwest, it, we get a lot of wind and rain, especially because we live in the islands. And I think we probably won't go out to the beach as much, but um, we'll probably still go hiking and, and do things outside. We'll just kind of bundle up and wear boots. Awesome. Switching gears a little bit. Something that I always find I'm personally really interested in, maybe it's just because of our upbringing and the experience that we had, but whenever I speak to other Christians, I love hearing about their musical journeys, just because I feel like being a Christian sort of influences the way that you're introduced to music, or all of it kind of Uh, influences the way that you grew up listening to music. Or at least the way you're not introduced to certain aspects of music. Yeah, so to kind of jump in, can you just talk about how that influenced the musical aspect of your journey or just how that influenced you getting started in music? Or Yeah, I I did grow up listening to Christian music. Um, My dad, he wrote for a company out of Nashville that distributed Christian music to youth groups all over the country. And so I was introduced to a lot of Christian music in the early, mid and late nineties. So I did enjoy bands like Newsboys and Audio Adrenaline and Switchfoot, you know, a lot of the kind of standard, um, you know, rock, Christian rock bands. But by the time I was in seventh grade or getting into middle school, I I kind of shed that and I, I, I started discovering music that um, I hadn't been introduced to yet. You know, bands like the Foo Fighters and Nirvana and Radiohead and a lot of pop punk and punk bands. And um, I think I was raised in a music scene where Christian music wasn't cool. And so as soon as I started getting involved in the local music scene, I distanced myself from music made by Christians and I didn't really grow up in an environment where there was good music in church so I just kind of left all the Christian music behind and I just fell in love with you know all of the bands that that your Christian parents don't let you listen to you know (laughs) um and 
the music scene I grew up in in Anacortes, Washington is really, it's a very rich and creative music scene full of a lot of really influential uh, independent and experimental artists. And so I grew up watching a lot of really unique artists perform and, and looking up to a lot of independent artists and they, they were the ones who kind of um, taught me about making music and recording music and releasing music. I kind of absorbed their ethic, the DIY, you know, do it yourself ethic. And so it wasn't until I, cause I left my faith. I, I decided I wasn't a Christian. And then slowly over time, I kind of came back to my faith and, um, you know, fell in love with God and it became, you know, real to me for the first time. And it wasn't until then probably like 24, 25, it really started hitting home that I like, I was a Christian. And so that's when I think my faith became real. And I started kind of bringing my, my newfound love of Jesus kind of back into my music, but I still wasn't listening to Christian music. So I think that's probably why even today when I make music about my faith, it doesn't probably sound like a lot of Christian music that's being made. I still don't listen to Christian music that much, although I have a lot of respect for um, some of my friends and peers who are Christians who make music. But um, every once in a while, I'll go back and I'll put on like an early Newsboys CD. And by early, I mean like 94, 95. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like early, early, like when, when I was probably nine and 10 and 11, I was listening to Newsboys. And um, I actually have been pleasantly surprised that some of those earlier Christian bands, they were far like weirder and a lot stranger than I think anybody gave them credit for. And I would encourage you, I don't know if you've ever spent time with early, some of those earlier Christian rock bands, I've especially been, like 95. I've been going back into DC Talk, kind of doing a bit of a deep dive over the past few months. And I really, I really do like the older stuff from DC Talk. It's, it's really fun. It's very creative. Yeah. Early DC Talk was super creative. It, uh, yeah, I, I loved DC Talk. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but obviously growing up in a Christian home that influenced the music I liked. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a tooth and nail artist now. Like I release records on tooth and nail. And a lot of the like earlier bands I listened to were tooth and nail bands like MXPX and Slick Shoes and Starflyer 59, like early punk bands that, and that was an era when like Christian punk bands could play with non-Christian punk bands and it didn't matter. And it really isn't that way anymore, is it? No. Tooth and Nails, for sure, was one of those, like, at least in my life, it was, like, one of the catalysts for not only expanding my image of what Christian music could sound like, but I guess also a larger introduction to maybe more, like, prog music or scene or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I guess in that sense, um, is there a specific moment that you had a catalyst for or is there any like specific moment you can pinpoint as a catalyst in your life that helped shape the music you were intaking? I think what happened was, so let's see, I was born in 1987 and I, so I was hitting middle school and like starting to hang out with different types of kids in like 99, 2000 and 2001. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I started hanging out with skaters. Uh, friends who were skateboarding and who were riding BMX bikes. And this is the era of, you know, Tony Hawk and the X Games. It was, it was a really exciting time 
for yeah skateboarders and snowboarders any type of extreme sport yeah and all of the friends that I I started hanging out with a few of us we started playing music together and they were not raised in the church and so I started listening to the music that they were listening to and it was punk music it uh, really I could think specifically pop punk music but bands like no effects and rancid and I think I just kind of had my mind opened and even my older sisters started my older sister Krista specifically she I think was the first person to play Nirvana for me but I think she kind of waited until um I was old enough that my parents wouldn't get angry for her you know because of her showing cool music so I think that's what it was. I started hanging out with kids who didn't go to church. And then I started discovering all these really good bands that I'd never heard before. That was a catalyst for me. We're going to jump in and play some music for you now. Don't worry, we got your CanCon covered. Staying on the same vein of kind of pop punk, Christian alternative, uh, mesh to the nail-ish records and albums, we're going to play some other formative bands. At least they were formative for Weezer and I, and also happen to be from Canada. No, this is not Reliant K or Matt Tyson, but we are going to play none other than your beloved pop-punk band, Hawk Nelson. Then we got Thousand Foot Crutch and Manic Drive. So Hawk Nelson was formed in Peterborough, and they released their debut album, Letters to the President, in 2000 and four which was uh when they were signed to tooth and nail records uh they were actually also nominated for two junos one in 2007 and in 2012 so pretty cool and then we have thousand foot crutch which is again another band from peterborough ontario they were signed to tooth and nail records in 2003 when they released their second full-length album and they've been nominated for a heck of a lot of junos so in 2005 2006 2008 2010 2013 pretty much all of their discography but my favorite uh, album from them is the end is where we begin and that's also we're gonna pull a song from there too and then finally we have manic drive um and while they're not necessarily DC Talk or anything, but they do work with Mr. Talkbox. They have worked with Mr. Talkbox, and uh, whenever I think of Mr. Talkbox, I think of DC Talk or Toby Mac. So we'll be playing High Life from Manic Drive as well as Courtesy Call from Thousand Foot Crutch. But to start us off, we're going to play Letters to the President by Hawk Nelson.
black star. Good role model has a chance to go real far. Then the school made a budget cut, cut out the track team. Now instead, Tommy is a crackhead. Same sex marriage in a state. Turn it out till it gets too hot. Everybody sing, hey. 
radio Tell them turn it up till they can't no more Let's get this thing shaking like a disco ball This is your last one and a courtesy call
You are tuned in to Absent Sounds here on CGEM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. That was Courtesy Call by Thousand Foot Crutch, Letters to the President by Hawk Nelson, and High Life by Manic Drive. You're tuned in to a conversation we and I had with one of our favorite artists, John Van Dusen, and we are talking about his latest release, I Am Origami Part 4, Marathon Days, which came out earlier in the summer. We're glad you could join us, so sit tight and we'll get back into the interview. And I was going to ask, because I think it's kind of interesting juxtaposing the person you were back then in your formative years to the person you are now. And and you've been creating music for so many years. Is there a thread that you see that connects the process of of writing and creating music back then to working on music now? That's a really good question. Coincidentally, today, I started archiving my entire back catalog, which involves finding the original demos and recordings of all the songs I've published, which is over 150. And I'm doing this because I signed a new writing deal, a publishing deal. And in order to sign, I have to prove to the attorneys that I wrote all these old songs. And interesting that you asked this question because even today already this morning, I've been spending time listening to recordings I did 15 years ago and being a little embarrassed at some of the things that I wrote and the things that I said in songs. Um, But I think what I was realizing today was that even back then, I, you could tell even as a 16 or 17 year old, I was really trying to write songs from a place of raw sincerity. Like I really just wanted to find the truth in in the world. And even if I wrote some lyrics that I think are embarrassing, I really think, you know, as I've been going through all these old songs, I've also kind of had some grief because I've realized how, like I look back at who I was and I can hear it even in the songs I was writing. And I was really chaotic and, you know, wasn't a Christian and making lots of really, um, what I would say just are bad decisions. And I can hear it in the songs. And so I have this, this kind of dual emotional response of being sad like man i wish wish i'd been healthier wish i'd made better decisions but also being really thankful now because i'm just not the same person anymore and so when you write songs for that long it's almost like you have a living breathing diary because these songs are published out in the world you know i can't hide them they're just there and i have to like face the truth of who i was while also being thankful for who i am now Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. And it kind of reminds me of this interview we and I were watching earlier uh, by this poet author whose name is Ocean Vong. And he was talking about how, well, he mentions how there's sometimes when he goes back to things that he's written in the past or in a specific moment in time and kind of thinking back on that and wishing that 
not necessarily that they could be better, but that they could be different or do something different. And I always liked how he mentioned that it's the reason that he's able to to notice that or even realize that they could be different or he has a different desire for them now is because of the change in his life or that he's still growing. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing or at least similar for you too. Yeah, I'm really thankful for what Jesus has done in my life. That's just the truth. So I think the old songs represent a time capsule. And if I if I play a song I write today next to a song I wrote 15 years ago, it's staggering <laughs> how much has changed. Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. And so, we're on the air. Let's see how the broadcast gets from the studio to your home. 99.1 FM, cjam.ca, Kojiko Digital Cable 285. We are CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor, Detroit, and beyond. Radio, I tell you, radio is a world that has to be believed to be seen. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> You Windsor Campus Police remind you to always be aware of building safety and security to help prevent theft and break-ins. Always keep track of your belongings and never leave them unattended, even for a minute. You should report suspicious behavior immediately to Campus Police at 519-253-3000, extension 1234. Examples include a stranger going from office to office, a person loitering for a long period of time, or somebody waiting outside of offices near closing time. Always stay aware of building safety and security on campus. U Windsor Campus Police is here to help you. But I really did like what you were talking about with the, um, the part about how it's like a living diary. Because I think my sister and I, we always talk about how we're like birds. We're always collecting things, you know, mementos of time, but also like memory hoarding. And when you look back at your old work, I know you mentioned the grief that you feel, but do you have any pieces of yourself that you still feel are carried through now? I don't know if it has to be something you're proud of, but something you actively see as something you haven't shed, almost like a like a core part of you. Yeah, that's a really good question. I know there are parts of me I still have with me I think when I was younger, I vacillated between being really present and sincere and kind and then really chaotic and selfish. And maybe that's a lot of, uh, most young people probably do that on some level, but I think in my better moments, even as a young person, I was able to connect with anybody and I was really hungry to kind of do away with peripheral matters that didn't hold weight. Like I really wanted the essence of like, I think I was saying earlier, like I was always looking for truth and asking myself a lot of hard questions when I was younger. And I think I still do that. And um, also just uh, practically as a songwriter, I think even those really early songs, there's a sense of melody and songcraft that 
I think I stumbled onto and discovered even as a young younger person. And you can probably see through lines, like if you listen to my songs now, similarities in songwriting and, and you know, melodic choices, a tendency to write really big, but simple choruses, always done that. So I think, yeah, I haven't shed everything. I just think as I've changed and as God has worked in my life, I've hopefully just gotten better at seeing other people and, you know, caring for others and also being able to rest in who I am. So that's probably the best answer I have. I think also, I I noticed that you mentioned just the idea of being selfish. And I think being young, that's just always, I feel like a lot of us do struggle with not being able to see past ourselves since there's no one you really have to care for. I mean, your parents are caring for you and you don't have anyone really tethered to you in that way. But at the stage of life you're in now with a son and um, having to care for your wife too and not just having your life be you, it's not just one person. And I also think about the way that influences your music too. knowing that the work that you do now that eventually when you aren't present anymore that that work will precede you do you think about leaving that behind for your son too wow that's a great question um i do think about that and you are right in that having a child and a partner um it should weed out, you know, some of that selfishness. And um, although I know plenty of married people and parents who still struggle immensely with selfishness, including myself on occasion, but I think um, there's a sacrificial love inherent in being a parent because you have to give up so much of your own agency and time and dreams in order to make sure your child is healthy and you know survives and etc and I think that's a really beautiful paradigm and it should be the same in a marriage you know for me when I was younger my wife and I have been married 12 years so early on like it wasn't that way in our marriage it actually took me um, a good number of years to grow and discover and get better at putting her before before myself and I think that now I just want to write songs that will survive me like after I die, but that will be the type of songs that really connect with people's hearts and make them hopeful and make them want to be, you know, their truest selves and and to, to live the lives that I think they've been created to live. And that, so that means, you know, writing hymns and lots of different, lots of different songs that I hope survive me. And I think, Sometimes I get a little nervous about Benji, my son, discovering my back catalog because, you know, I've said a lot of intense stuff. If you've gone through my back catalog, if you've listened to The Lonely Forest, the band that I was in, you know, there's a lot of heavy stuff in there. And um, yet at the same time, I really do believe that that spectrum and that story arc is really important because it shows that God works in us and changes us and has the power to to, you know, redeem our lives and recreate us. And so I think I'd be doing my son a disservice if I only presented him with, you know, the good parts of who I was. And, and I want to make sure he sees clearly like, hey, 
I wasn't always healthy and like, Hey, you know, I wasn't always kind. And, and Hey, before God changed me, you know, I wasn't that, that great of a partner for your mom or whatever it is. And like, to be honest with him so that he can then learn from that and hopefully, uh, you know, spare himself some of my mistakes. So I do think a lot about how someday, you know, hopefully he outlives me and he can have a sober sit down with all of my music and see the way, you know, his dad's life changed. I I do hope for that, but it does make me a little nervous.
Oh Sweetest Name, Uninspired Blowing Smoke, and Broken Record, which come off of the album I Am Origami Part 4, Marathon Days by John Van Dusen. And John Van Dusen is here with us on the show today. You're listening to Absent Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. And each week here on Absent Sounds, we usually and I will pick two albums to dive into. And as we play through them, we'll give you any interesting tidbits we find along the way. But sometimes we also get the artists to talk about the albums too. And that's what we're going to be doing today with our interview with John. So we will jump right back in. I think more and more as I get older, I'm comfortable writing songs about my faith and comfortable writing songs about other things. And I think my faith determines my ethic just in general. So as I grow in faith, it changes how I interact with people and how I do business and how I you know do anything. And I you know, the more God kind of takes over my world, I think the more integrity in which I live my life. And I think I less and less want to be the center of attention thematically. I, you know, I, I, I like writing songs about my experiences and my relationships, but I think as time goes on, 
I grow like less interested in writing about myself over and over and over and over again. And so I think that has something to do with my faith and which is why I like writing hymns because they're about my creator and, and, you know, I'm providing language hopefully for others to connect with, but it's about them connecting with God and not necessarily about them connecting with me or connecting with a song I wrote about myself. So I think, I don't know. I think my faith just changes everything in my world and um, hopefully also allows me to let go of my infatuation with success. You know, as a young person, as a young artist, I was full of a lot of ambition. And I think my faith has helped me let go of that. And instead just kind of slowly, very slowly over time, grow more comfortable with simply just creating because that's what I enjoy doing and allowing the music and the art to just, like I put it out into the world and just let it do what it does. And um, uh, it's like, I'm less obsessed with trying to control it so that it becomes successful. And that's a really liberating thing to, to kind of begin to walk in life in a way that allows you to let go of you know the kind of preconceived ideas of success and the outcomes that you've been infatuated with for so long like you let go of those things you actually just kind of begin to enjoy it and I think um my faith lets me do that yeah and I think on the uh I'm not quite sure if this is necessarily the flip side of the same coin or if this is the same kind of vein and it depends on which side you look at it but um how do you know if what you're doing is glorifying rather than, or I don't know if there's like an anxiety that comes along with it, that maybe the music that you put out isn't glorifying, you know? That's a really important thing to ask. And I think it's something we all have to ask ourselves, especially for creating content and, and art for people to um, consume. But I think my metric is ever changing. So two years ago, I probably thought I was doing something that was glorifying God. And now in hindsight, I could look back and go, oh, I would have, I would do that a little differently now as I grow and as I mature. There's also a lot of freedom in being a Christian. There's a lot of grace. And I think knowing that God uses even our imperfect efforts for his glory is really comforting. And I, I find that when I let go and I allow myself to worship when creating, even if I'm making even if it's a punk rock song that's super noisy and has nothing to do with Jesus, at least lyrically, and still I can still worship while doing that. And I think that's something I try to tap into as much as possible. But also, you know, there are things even on my last record that I don't think I would write today, but I just have to move on and keep doing my best. I do love making people uncomfortable with my art. And I do love being kind of, I love being somewhat antagonistic and I think because of that, I often make decisions sonically and lyrically in order to disrupt people who are listening. <laughs> and I think that's something I've always, I've always had that with me, but I do feel as if, I do feel though that as I get older, I'm less interested in disrupting people and more interested in um, being a peaceful ambassador, you know, somebody who writes songs and makes music that is life-giving for people and not always like puckish and disruptive. Disrupt is the best word. So sometimes, I don't know if you can tell, but sometimes I'm like kind of poking at people. Like I kind of want to like 
make music that's going to make people squirm. And um, I think there's a place for that, but maybe as I get older, I'll do less of it. I'm curious about the antagonist thing, calling yourself an antagonist. I feel like that's an interesting description. Has that always been the way you've seen yourself in the story of your life? Yes. Then subsequently, like, that antagonistic spirit bleeds over and spills over onto the people I love. And I think as God has captured my heart, I think that's becoming less and less a reality for me. And yet I also think not just antagonistic in a, like, mean sense, but also in a, like, there are times when I feel angry or frustrated and I don't think it's like bad. I think, you know, sometimes maybe angry at how like uninspired Christian art is. And so suddenly I want to make Christian art that's really intense and noisy and, and kind of like ferocious because I, I think my, you know, my guitar feedback and my fuzz pedal can be just as like God honoring as like the picture perfect, you know, sheen of like a Hillsong worship album. And sometimes I think it might even be more in line with who God is because I think God's super weird and creative and like kind of sometimes scary and all these things. And so I, I just, I don't want to be an, an antagonist anymore. And I don't necessarily want to be antagonistic in a bad, selfish way, but I do on occasion want to be able to disrupt people, but hopefully in a like helpful way. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you hear the song I released recently called God Outside of Time? Yeah. Okay. So you know how at the end of that song, it gets really heavy? With the, like all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was me. I did that because one, I was having fun and worshiping, but also because I want to remind people that like noisy, heavy sound collage music can be God honoring. So it was also very intentional. Like it was like, no, like I kind of want it to sound bad. Like not all, it doesn't all have to sound perfect, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think one of the interesting things about that type of music is always just the way that it can get conversations started or it can stir conversations that, that aren't always had among people that are in the church. And especially with the last album that you released, I Am Origami Part 4, Marathon Days, I think there are a lot of conversations that could be had from the album. So I'm curious about what conversations that stirred with you or among any people that you know. Yeah, you know, Marathon Days, the hope was to create a record that was the other three records in the series combined. And that just means lyrically and sonically. So like loud, quiet, clearly about Jesus, clearly not about Jesus. <laughs> um, and I chose to use a lot of opaque kind of uh, abstract language to speak of spiritual matters. And I did that very specifically. And um, it's definitely created a lot of conversations. Um, a lot of people who have just listened to my, my worship record, Every Power Wide Awake, I think some of the language I used on Marathon Days is really disruptive for them. And 
So I've had lots of I've had lots of conversations about the opening track of Sweetest Name because you know of course I say maybe there is a God and she's working on my insides. Well, I don't know how many times I've had to explain to people that like you know that that entire song is filled with language that should not be taken literally. Like I, one of the first lines of the record is I'm because I'm driving drunk in the night with one headlight or isn't it strange how the other sheep sleep in their own blood? Like I'm clearly using poetic language to get across an emotion. And so uh, I've had to explain that to a lot of people. It's like, you know, you can take those lyrics however you want and whether you want to take them literally or not, that's okay. It's up to you. I wrote the song in order to convey an emotion of anger and frustration and confusion in my faith because that's how I was feeling when I wrote it and you know I think the lyrics do that perfectly but that's been a huge conversation over and over again on Instagram like so many DMs of people really concerned um and lots of people asking about the song boring you know I say you know when did we all get so boring <laughs> and there are people are just like what are you talking about and then <laughs> You know, in the in the chorus, I sing "Hell if I know," and people just just people asking me a lot, like, "What do you mean?" And I've also simultaneously had a lot of people who are not Christians connect with the record because of it, and I think that's really important to me. So, you know, what else about Marathon Days has been interesting? The cover art sparks conversations just as much as the songs, and especially with Christians because they're so concerned and. For real. And I have to say things like, well, you know, it's a statue of David and David, the, you know, a hero of the Bible is about to behead somebody, Goliath. And <laughs> don't spoil the story. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people, of course, you know, David's nude in the statue because of this work of high art from like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And it's just been interesting because to me, the statue actually is a visual representation of the entire record because it's like, it's full of contradictions. It's it's is it a of art yes but also no it's like is it god honoring yes but it's also it's literally a piece of art depicting someone about to behead another human like is nudity okay in the christian space oh not really but also god created our bodies so should we be ashamed of them like it it kind of represents in a visual way the tension that i feel as a person and as a as an artist so yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Pick up a sip of get open. Spot, you know what I mean? Get open, family. Come on, come on, come on. Get, get open. on C-Jam out there in Windsor on 99.1 FM Radio Dial. So you're hanging with your inner circle. Maybe you're making cocktails. Maybe you're packing bowls. Even while we're distancing, it's important to remember alcohol and cannabis each mess with your driving skills. Be cool. Make sure you and your friends get home safe. Take a cab if you need to. A few bucks could save a life. And we could do it again next weekend. 
a message from Arrive Alive, Drive Sober. with myself 
And I'm sober in the end I cannot fight it Can't deny it If I walk the logic back To the place of nothingness I cannot fight it Nor deny it
stuck in a haze these marathon days over and over I opened my eyes deep in the night to cough rolling thunder There's smoke on my tongue and I'm no longer young I visit the river to cool off my mind under the rhyme sweet blueberry shivers and I'm over analyzing every bloody thing king of nothing more than words that fail to bring meaning to my life I could use a little cabin in the woods Watch some birds and maybe smoke away the shuds perhaps then I'll find some quiet And no more car alarms crowded subway cars indoor cigarettes pressure on my chest no more mystery meets suicidal streets and vomit by the door sticky bathroom floors and i miss the places that i know the places that i go to be alone and i miss the places that i know the places that i go to be dusk and dawn barefoot on the lawn walking with my mom coffee with my dad sisters laugh at me climb the cherry tree and i miss the places that i know the places that i go to be alone and i miss the places that i know the places that i go to be
You're tuned in to Absent Sounds here on CJM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. My name is Weedy Mambo, and welcome back. The last three songs we played in that set were You Tell Me, Give Back My Heart, and Marathon Days, which come off of the album I Am Origami Part 4, Marathon Days by John Van Dusen. I think Marathon Days is probably my favorite song on the record. But I think it's totally fair if you have a differing opinion. Since we're playing for the album here today, we're not doing every single track since it is quite a bit long, but we're picking out some of our favorites uh, to share with you here on our show for today. On Absent Sounds, my twin sister Weiju and I will pick two albums to play through and we'll pick them apart and give you any interesting tidbits we find along the way. But on today's show, we have a special guest with us, John Van Dusen, who is the musician behind the wonderful music. He was kind enough to join us and talk about not just this album, but also how his faith interacts with all his work. Whether this is your first time listening to him now, or if you've been a longtime fan of his work, you will start to notice that there's a lot of tension in between everything he releases. It's like he's always trying to wrestle with something, whether that be a big idea or with himself. And so jumping back into the interview, one of the things we and I were curious about was hearing how John was able to create a space where that tension is able to exist. I think for those who like know me and live in, live close to me in a relationship, I think people would probably tell you that's just who I am. Like, I'm kind of always wrestling. There's always a tension. There's always some dissonance that I'm leading into. And um, it can be exhausting for people around me. I mean, my wife would tell you every morning I wake up and I'm like, I want to talk about the difficult questions. And I want to, you know, I'm just, I think that's just who I am. And so I don't have to make space for it. It just happens. And I'm also, I, I thrive on, the unique space that I've created artistically where I can, I can live between Christian and secular art and do so with like a fair amount of Liberty, you know, going back and forth between the two. And it just feels like in a world surrounded by, you know, the kind of half truths and the facade of social media and like in general, people everywhere are having a difficult time discerning like fact from fiction to me, it's really important that we we exhibit an honest and holistic approach to who we are. So it's like, yeah, sure, I'm a Christian, but I still struggle or like, or vice versa, you know, like I'm a, I'm a naturalist who sometimes wonders if God exists. Like it's okay to live that way and to be at least, at least to be honest about it. So I don't really have to make space for it. I think it's just how I, it's my mode. It's how I function. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense kind of in the context of the whole entire series too. I personally am a big fan of the origami series uh, because for a long time I used to think of myself or at least I would always use this as my username for different things. Um, It was crumpled paper sheets where I just imagined myself as like not necessarily like or I envision it more like an origami piece now. But the idea of like being, I don't know, it's like a blank piece of paper and anything can happen. But sometimes it feels like you're cast away. And um, now that you're at the end of this, the four corners of the piece of paper, does it feel like you're turning over a new leaf? Is this chapter closed? Um, first of all, I have to say, thinking of yourself as a crumpled piece of paper is a really interesting way to see yourself. 
because there's a lot of possibility there, but there's also kind of a sadness and maybe a like, you know, not seeing yourself as like with clear eyes, you know, like not giving yourself grace and not seeing the potential and the beauty and who you are. I can, I could see, and I think I've struggled with that too in the past. And um, it's really interesting because I just finished a record and all of the songs on this new record I finished are songs I wrote a really long time ago. So they're actually all pretty bleak and they have to do with who I used to be. And I, and I actually think what you just said, like seeing yourself as a crumpled up paper is the perfect visual visual representation of my new record. Because like, I might even, I might have to credit you. I might, maybe, like, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the cover art will just be like a crumpled piece of paper, like on a table because that's the songs. That's how it feels to me. But I love that. And I would hope that you would see yourself more as like a, a piece of paper that has potential and can be folded into like different things. And um, I do think that I've moved on artistically and personally and um, really am excited to shed my skin and continue to grow and change as a person. And I think the, it's helpful for me as a creative to move on from the Ayamoragami metaphor so that I can present my art moving forward in a new way. But um, I don't know if I even remember what you asked, but I... Um, <laughs> no, you're on the same track. The really great visual representation, like the crumpled piece of paper. You'll have to pull up some pieces of paper and uh, and then put it in like random places and just take the pictures and email them to me. Cause maybe I'll, maybe it'll fit somewhere in the album art cause it just feels so perfect. Because it kind of is kind of a prequel to the I Am Origami series. It's like, this is who I was before God came to the world. So anyways, that's interesting. I, I think especially there is a very big redemptive arc, it feels like, even with throughout the whole series of four albums, but even just within the album from end to end, it feels like it, it goes from just a very chaotic start to, well, I guess, the deluxe edition with If I Get to Heaven. It feels very much like not only have you finally accepted the redemption, but you've also kind of finally shed that, uh, the past self, or like you've finally gone past that of how you used to see yourself in the past and recognizing, you know, who you are in the eyes of the creator and, and how you see yourself and how it influences everything around you. And I really appreciate that arc. Thank you. Yeah, the deluxe edition really is the, that's the full record. And I, I really like, I'm proud of the song, If I Get to Heaven. And I like how it ends on the um, I'll Shall Be Well reprise, you know, there's that. I just like that it ends on the I'll Shall Be Well melody, even if I don't sing it. Mm -hmm. And as we kind of bring come full circle and end off talking about the album and all uh, as well, what kind of chapter do you see yourself, I guess, going into now? What kind of lessons do you want to bring from the whole I am origami series to whatever you're working on in the future. Wow. Well, I'm entering into a new phase of life where I'm writing songs in hopes that other artists will. And that's just because I, you know, I don't really want to be the main focus quite as much, but I do have multiple records coming out. I just finished a Christmas record. I'm really proud of. I have a, a new solo record that will come out next year on Tooth and Nail that's really kind of loud and aggressive and it's the, all the, it's the crumpled paper songs. Um, I'm in a new band called Telephone Friends that I really love. It's a, our record will come out 
you know, at the beginning of next year. And then I'm, I'm gearing up to write and record my next, it's kind of a follow-up to every power wide awake, but it's essentially another worship record. And so I'm still making a lot of music. I think the lesson I will take with me forever that I learned while making the I am origami series is that it's better to take risks artistically and make something that I find intriguing and challenging and exciting. It's better to do that. It's always better to do that. And instead of like framing my creative um, work, you know, in a way that's asking, you know, how is this going to reach the most people or how, how can I make something that's going to be accepted by the most number of people? It's always better for me to just, go with my gut and make the weirdest or most challenging, most, most exciting art I can. Cause that's usually, that's usually the art that lives the longest life, at least in my experience. And so as I move forward and I, if I do release more solo records, I'm hopeful that they will be, they will continue to be challenging and strange. Um, it's a really good lesson for me. Um, yeah, that's probably the best answer I have. <laughs> I think that's a really great note to end on too. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, voila, we've reached the end of our conversation and the end of our show. You know, sometimes I think about the fact that a lot of us during life are almost like ants. We just bumble around and hit each other. And I know this came like directly out of a movie that I saw yesterday called Waking Life. But just the fact that a lot of even musicians don't really take the time to reflect on their own music because of how busy, you know, you spend a lot of time producing the records, thinking about the art, thinking about how you're going to release it. And Obviously, within the hustle and bustle of it all, it kind of becomes a little difficult to reflect on the process and the the way you took to get to where you are now. And sometimes I I like to think these conversations we have with the artists give them a chance to maybe reflect also even just for ourselves. And so I really did appreciate spending the time with John. Yeah, I think it was a really edifying conversation with John, and I'm really thankful that he took the time out of his day to sit down and have it. It was pretty long, so if you want to hear the full thing, I guess come find me. But I'm also really thankful that you could take some time out of your day and stop by and listen to the show. Make sure to stick around and listen to some other great programming here on CGM, but for now, Weiju and I are going to be signing off with the last three songs well not the last three songs but the last three songs we can fit into our set with uh in the morning john ringhopper makes a tape loop heartlake and boring we'll see how many we can squeeze in but signing off for now i'm weedy and this has been absent sounds here on c gem and we'll catch you next week bye